You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since talk about the, uh, the story of the uh, Good Samaritan, all right? the parable of the Good Samaritan. And so I want us to turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read this famous parable, <coughs> but we're going to throw a little twist on it. When he gets to the part of the actual parable, um, I'm going to update it a little bit for us. So let's begin in verse 25 of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And we find in this situation, and we're going to read the parable in just a moment here, we find in this situation a teacher of the law, someone who believes they understand God's ways, God's will, and has an understanding of, of certainly the Old Testament. And it says he's testing Jesus. He, he's asking a question often we ask. Hey, am I right with God? Will I make it to heaven? Right? How do I inherit eternal life? And so Jesus, he doesn't want to get caught up in sort of his motives aren't, aren't really pure in what he's asking. He's trying to trap Jesus or trick him or, or something's in there that's not originating from a purity of heart necessarily. So he goes ahead and he asks him a question in response and elicits a, the classic response which has everything to do with relationship. And that was the correct answer. Even in the Old Testament, the many myriad of laws and commands were not the key to eternal life, but relationship with God, love for God, and love for neighbor. And yet it says, and then he sought to justify himself. In other words, 
he began to, he goes, okay, if that's the right answer, I, I wonder if I'm going to make it. And he started to recount in his, whole, whole, in his own mind, likely, what it means to love his neighbor. And then he asked the question, well, who's my neighbor? And I think whenever we hear a lesson or we hear something challenging, we right away begin to filter in a way to justify ourselves. That's just human nature. And as he begins to um, evaluate this, Jesus embarks on a classic lesson of what it means to be a neighbor. And so before we read the text, I want to update it a little bit and tell you a story about one evening, a successful young man on the west side, he took his Nissan Maxima to the mall to buy his girlfriend a present. He had heard on the radio that his usual route was closed off. Waze was directing him around the accident. So he decided to not listen and instead go straight through a difficult part of the city. And in fact, if he hadn't gone that direction, he would have taken two hours longer. So it was right to go through the tough part of town. He figured, I'll chance it. It's late at night, or it's getting late, it's dark, but it's no problem. I'll stay in my car, I'll be fine. Well, the area he had to cut through to get to the mall was a tough area known for gang warfare. And... He had chosen a time that was dangerous. It was evening. Young people that were up to no good started to gather for their nightly escapades in this part of town. And certain young ladies went outside to claim their piece of the sidewalk for their nightly business of selling themselves. At a red light, the young man stopped and found himself in the middle of a gang war. The gang member from one group took a shot at his enemy across the street and the young man in the Maxima was unfortunately the barrier between the two. The bullet barely grazed his shoulder and he cried out in a sharp pain managing to pull over the car and stop. He got out of the car intending to get help but in his weakened state he attracted the wrong kind of attention. A couple of young kids looking for some quick drug money noticed his stupor and his sense of of days and they decided it would be easier to give him a couple of punches than try to break into a store they also noticed his car keys and the car running close by and they put two and two together soon he was out of a car a cell phone and his wallet by the time they were gone he was in rough shape and lay smashed and dirty on the sidewalk he lay there for what seemed like hours but it was only a few minutes he was thrilled when he looked up and saw a disciple from his local church walking by. Help, John, he cried out feebly. But the disciple, it was, it was dimly lit and he saw somebody lying on the ground and seemed to be inebriated. And he crossed over and looked the other way. He wasn't sure what to expect. He thought this is a dangerous area. And it turns out this disciple was on his way to a board meeting in this part of town. All the other board members from the church throughout the city were gathering up. And unfortunately, uh, he was too afraid to, to check what was going out with the guy. Even though he knew him, he didn't bother to take the time to see. He wished he'd been able to find a parking place closer. And he saw the man lying down. He wondered, man, I'm sure the police will come and take care of this situation. And there was a little bit of guilt that washed over him as he continued on his way. 
He thought to himself, they have people for that. It's not my calling to solve this. I better get to my meeting. And he was running late. A few minutes later, about a half hour, another sister, a church lady, somebody who was very committed in the church, walked by in a rush. And she was carrying a Bible and the injured man thought for sure she would help him. He tried to call out for her, but she didn't help. Instead, she put up her nose in the air and walked quickly away in horror and disgust. The woman had lived on that street for years and she'd seen everything decline in the last decade. What had once been a hard-working population had been overrun by pimps and drug addicts. Every day she heard of more difficulties and horrors on the nightly news, and it made her sick. She had once been proud to live in that area. And when the young man called out to her, he, she was sure he was begging for money or for some booze. She was tired of being uh, troubled and lambasted by these welfare-dependent bums. She looked at him in disgust, anger at the way the country was going, and hurried home to her apartment, safe with the bars on the windows and a good security system. She knew she shouldn't have gone so out so late in the day. The next one to come by was a man in a hoodie with tattoos. And the young man who'd been hurt was almost passing into unconsciousness when he caught a glimpse of this guy. He would have been afraid, but he didn't have time to think about that. And he was dazing in and out of consciousness and he thought, oh, I wonder, he saw the guy had stopped his car and he wondered what kind of car he drives. Well, the man who was dressed like a gang member had parked some distance away from a bar where he was going to meet some of his buddies. And he was walking over there after a hard day. As he neared his destination, he noticed the young man who'd been beat up pretty badly. Feeling sorry for him, went over, felt his wrist and, and realized he was alive. He said, man, are you Okay. Not wanting to startle him, he said, not really. And the guy goes, let me call you an ambulance. You look like you're in bad shape. He used a cell phone to call 911 and waited with the young man until they arrived and paid the ambulance driver a $500 fee to get him to the, hotel, to the hospital. It could be more like 2500 these days. Take my cell phone, the gang member said. Use it to call your mom and dad and girlfriend when you get to the hotel. Then call my mom later. She'll figure out a way to get me there to get it back. To get a hold of me. I'm sorry for what happened to you, man. Those guys were messed up. Here's a couple hundred bucks so you can figure things out. The world is not filled with what you think. There's some good people left in this world. You know, the story, we know the original story. He's talking to teacher of the law. And the problem the teacher of the law had is he had barriers set up as to what it meant to help people and be a good person. And in his mind, and even in that day, there was a whole category called non-neighbor. That if you were a Gentile or a Samaritan, you were, you were the other. You were on the outside. And his family of origin story forced him to think that way. He, he was stuck in his thinking. And he wanted to justify himself about what it meant to love somebody and what it meant to be a good servant of God. And I think in our day, we all come here tonight because we want to uh, serve the Lord. We want to do things that will impact lives. But we have barriers in our heart. 
We have barriers of selfishness. We have barriers of fear. And we have barriers of hate that we stuff deep down inside. We're afraid to pull them out and look at them closely. And what they do is they prevent us from oftentimes reaching out to do the little things that make a difference to change this world. And this evening, I want us to consider, are you willing to do the little things that cross barriers that can change the world? Are you willing to break through prejudices? Are you willing to see things differently? Are you willing to break through fears? A lot of times we won't help people because of selfishness, fear, or something deeper, even hate. And Jesus' intention is to break through that. There's a, a, a famous Catholic nun named Teresa of Lisieux, And she was known for something called the Little Way. She died at age 24 from sickness. But she, in the Catholic Church, she became a saint. And she was not impressive in her, her overall speaking, how she carried herself amongst the women. She wasn't the leader of the, the, um, the convent. But she wanted to make a difference for God. And she journaled regularly about how she could make a difference for God in little ways. In the smallest of ways, there would be a ripple effect from her actions of breaking through barriers. One barrier she broke, and I want to challenge our congregation to do this. She made it a point to think of the person that irritated her the most. And purposely fellowship that person every time she saw her. And you know, we're Christians, we're disciples, we're, we're supposed to love everybody. But there's always somebody that there's something there, right? There's like, oh, I'm going you know, to talk to that person. So I know this will be funny tonight if you're fellowshipping everybody and it's like, well, I needed to because you're irritating me. But we got to break through barriers. It was her little way that she would overtly go out of her way to be kind to the person that she wanted to avoid the most. Or maybe there's people in here you simply haven't talked to in months, maybe even a year. I want to challenge us to break through some barriers of uncomfortability. And for sure, let's be a family. Let's talk to each other. Let's connect. Let's break through those barriers. That's what the parable of the Good Samaritan is about. It's about not judging other people based on our family of origin, but breaking through barriers. And of course, we know that the whole message of the cross is breaking through that barrier. That Jesus came, shed his blood on the cross to say, you are welcome. Here we are certainly on the outside of God's perfection and yet Jesus' shed blood puts us on the inside. And I often tell the campus students this. We, as disciples of Jesus, are the in crowd. If you ever want to be on the in crowd, you're in the in crowd. When you're a disciple of Jesus, you're in. You're cool. You're the cool crowd. Yeah. All right, I know when you're young, you're always thinking, who's the cool crowd? Yeah. The disciples of Jesus are the in crowd because of the blood of Jesus. And that's the bottom line. And as God looks at the entire earth, without prejudice, breaking down every barrier, absolutely his sons and daughters that accept what his son has done on the cross for them are his chosen people and his in crowd. Let's 
see with eyes that are different. Let's rejoice in really what we have here as a family, the diversity that we have as a West Side Church. And let's spread that message. Let's talk about it. I know I was challenged in my, my master's degree program uh, by a number of the different brothers. Uh, one of the Hispanic brothers in the program said, Steve, you've got to talk about racial issues as a white man in America. You've got to say something about it. You've got to stand up and say it's not right. It happens. It's real. And it's not right. So I'm here to say, yeah, it happens. It's not right. But as Christians, we don't stand for it. We break down barriers. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer as we thank God for the blood and body of Christ. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this privilege of being here this evening. Thank you for the inspiration of Jesus' messages to break through barriers. We don't want to see anyone as outside. We want to treat each man the way you've treated us, each woman the way you've treated us. Father, uh, thank you for the body of Jesus given over, sacrificed, beaten and bruised on our behalf, and the blood shed that says you get a new chance every day. Father, we love you and we thank you for his body and his blood. Thank you for these elements that remind us of what he has done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.